This is the Passion Lands A Lot of Team podcast, the top producing real estate team from New York City to the Hamptons. We bring you content week in and week out on all things real estate, finance, and lifestyle. Enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Passion Lands A Lot of Team podcast. This is our second broadcast out to you guys. Um, we got a nice podcast lined up for you today. We have the newest member of our team here, Paul Akari. Uh, we'll introduce him in a little bit, and he'll give you his perspective on things. Uh, we also we want to be able to relate to everyone. So we have a, a buyer here, John Pesh, uh, my brother. He just bought a house and he renovated it. And we'll give you that. You know, he'll give you his thoughts on the personal side of that, and then we can chime in with, you know, from a prof- from a professional perspective. Uh, you know, some tidbits there. But to start it off, um, I want to talk about a great cause. The Children's Heart Foundation. Ron's son was born with a congenital heart defect. So this weekend we did a charity event that the Lancelottas do annually. It's an awesome charity event. It's an ugly sweater party. We had it at Ron's house and they collect uh, presents for children that are in the hospital to give them over the holidays. Love your sweater, by the way. Thank you. Thank Fabulous. You. <laughs> for, anyone, for, for anyone out there, Mike, Mike was wearing a, a a sweater that had a Hanukkah. What do they call that? Menorah. 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 <laughs> a Hanukkah. <laughs> it had a menorah on it, and you hit a button, and it started to twinkle where uh, the fire is supposed to be. Very yes. funny. Very my, funny. My wife and kids are Jewish, so um, you have know, to represent. Yes, yeah, so, uh, it's a holiday Christmas, a uh, holiday ugly sweater party. <laughs> John, did you ever did you have a sweater on that? We were all present, by the way. I didn't have one. Paul was there. You didn't have one? I didn't know. Very unfestive. Very dry. Very dry. <laughs> yeah. But if uh, if anyone wants to donate um, to that to that charity, we'll give you the information, or you can just email us uh, at the end of the podcast when you, when we give you our information. Um, yeah. Long story short, though, we collected we collected thousands of toys. I mean, my entire I have a big ranch uh, in a big basement, and that basement was filled from one end to the other with a whole stretch of toys. Uh, my wife and I delivered a few bags uh, two days ago to Winthrop, and the the balance of the toys is going there in, in the beginning of January via box truck because there were so many. Uh, so, How long have you guys been doing that event for now? So three years. My, my son was born two and a half years ago, um, and since then, you know, everything, thank God, has gone very well with him, and and my wife, uh, who you know, I tip my hat to, is is amazing, and and she can chase three kids and collect thousands of toys and promote that 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 kind of holiday philanthropy, call it whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, that's awesome. But long story short, uh, super success. Very proud of her. Very proud of the whole thing. We had a great time. We're gonna do it again next year and every year to come. We hope it gets bigger every year. Awesome. So with that, we'll jump right into things here. Um, so Paul Akari is the newest member of our team. He's been with us for Paul. How long have you been with us for now? Uh, a little over six months. Six months, and he is crushing it. Um, he had an awesome 2018. Uh, he had in his first six months hit the high water mark for sales. He sold a 1.6 million dollar property in Garden City, which is awesome to be doing that six months in. And Paul, I want to hear about that property. But uh, he, he's lined up for an awesome 2019. He's going he's gonna to do more business, I can guarantee it, than 95% of real estate agents out there. And it'll be his first full year uh, on the job. But anyway, Paul, I mean, you're in your 20s. You're a young guy. What's your perspective on what's going on in the market, your experience so far in, in this industry, working with buyers and sellers? Um, you know, what do you think? Well, I think that right now, People in their mid to late 20s who are starting to be buying a home, people want things or they even expect things to be brand new. They don't want – nobody who's buying a house, especially who has kids and is starting a family, wants to buy a house to spend six to eight months out of it to redo the entire thing. Their whole point is to buy a house is to buy a house and move in. They're probably living with their parents. It's their first purchase. They don't want to buy a house to live with their parents for another eight months. And I think that in that Garden City case, where that was is people aren't – they're just – they're getting away from wanting to do all that work. And there's 
because interest rates were so low and investors were just pouring into new constructions, new renovations, whatever, you know, whatever the case is, people that aren't as, you know, updated, they're taking a big hit because you're not going to redo the whole, you know, let's say a kitchen, for example, because to redo a kitchen for, let's say, $20,000, depending on your area, you may not get that money back. So it, it's better off to, one, speak with a professional to, to know where you're pricing it and just and, and know what direction to go into. I mean, it, as a, someone like myself, I'd be buying a home. I don't want to do a lot of work. I want to buy a home and move in. I don't want to buy a home and, and you know, spend another $200,000, re, you know, redoing it, even mm-hmm. if I got it at less money. Because it's time. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with it. it. You know, I'm willing to pay more money to just have it now, and pay less money and have it in six months from now. So what we're hearing is basically there's a there's a big convenience factor, right? I mean, we've. Cha- I feel like the world has changed, right? And I've actually read up on that a lot. And the reason that that happens or is more prevalent today, maybe than many years ago is because in today's world, both mother and father are typically working. Um, and it, there's there's a convenience factor involved because everybody's busy, everyone's out of the house, no one has time to watch a project. And the world is very different today uh, in regards to uh, renovations in general. Um, the The cost of doing it is very high, so unless you're actually the the contractor himself flipping the house uh the costs can be out of control and it actually becomes more cost effective to just buy brand new rather than buy and renovate and deal with it and and everything involved because life has become much more busy typically most both parents are out working and to add that onto your plate the 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 experience or or the burden of of renovating is is tough today so i I think paul also brings up a good point in that you know people in their 20s who are first-time home buyers he's like like you said paul when they buy they're buying because they're ready to buy so when you're ready to buy you're you want to get out you either want to get out of renting and into a house or you want to get out of living with your parents and into a house you're like i'm ready i'm ready to go i want to own a house i want to live the american dream right be a homeowner and that doesn't, and that thought process for most people who are in their twenties, first-time homebuyers, is not great. Let's do it, and then I bought it. All right, now I got to do six to eight months of work and deal with that and figure that out and continue living in you know whatever my current living situation is. So I think that's a good point, um, and that's and we're seeing that in the market. That's why we're seeing new construction sell at a premium, newly renovated houses sell at a premium, and houses that need work, they're selling at discounts and they're sitting on the market for a long time. But John. You just bought a house. You did the exact opposite of what we're talking about. <laughs> you bought a house and you renovated it. What was that process like? Yeah, so it's funny hearing you guys uh, talk about this because, yeah, I, literally the exact opposite. We bought a house. Um, we tried to save up, to backtrack for a second, we tried to save up because we didn't. We knew we the area we liked. We, we both grew up, um, same area, Massapequa. Um, we knew we liked it. We knew we wanted to be there, and we – like the we knew like budget wise we were kind of thinking starter home mm-hmm. um but we both knew that like we didn't want to have to move down the road so we wanted a big frame and that was something that was important to us so the house was technically when we bought it was you know technically moving ready it was just outdated well let me back you up when you first started looking were you looking at at houses that you can renovate and make your own or were you looking at new constructions or were you did you have no idea and you were just looking um, we were looking at houses that we could renovate. Uh, maybe not, you know, full renovation like we ended up doing, but we were looking at houses that um, need a little work because, again, that at the time we felt that was where you can get the best bang for your buck. And so that's you something thought we were in. that would pro- that you were you were doing that because you thought that would give you the best deal. Yes, mm-hmm. um, get us in the area we wanted to be in at something affordable mm-hmm. to us. So we buy the house, we move in. Um, it, I mean, yes, the thought process, that there wasn't really one at first. We we moved in. Just the, winging it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> We're like, all right, the upstairs is a little outdated. You know, everything's outdated, but the upstairs, maybe we'll just start with, you know, take down some of the old sheetrock, put up new sheetrock, maybe repaint. That'll be it. So, okay, if we're going to do that, maybe ripping down the sheetrock, maybe we'll do a rear dormer, you know, make it a little bigger. 
right, well, if we're going to do a rear dormer, we might as well do a full dormer. <laughs> so, all right. So they're spiraling pretty Yeah, quickly. exactly. Do you see so, where this is going? So let's talk about <laughs> that, right? You, you're, you're buying something that you know you're going to end up renovating. You go into it. You think, eh, maybe I'll drop a hundred grand into this. A hundred grand turns into two hundred grand, like that. Right. But walk me through like the decision making process because I mean, did did you rip all the walls out and then you're staring at studs, going, uh, maybe we should just do the front door too? Or, I mean, how how does that all transpire? So, good question. How we started, um, my father-in-law we kind of turned him loose on the demo process mm, and mistake <laughs> um it's and great it's great when you can wreck things and then it's not your money when you have to rebuild it right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a nice feeling um so yeah no uh we just i mean we just started doing we just thought you know we know we want to do at least this so we started doing that we started you know kind of demoing upstairs a little bit and i mean it was like the snowball effect to the max but we figured if Again, if we're doing this work, we might as well do more because what we're going to end up doing, you know, I'm the youngest of three. Uh, my wife's the youngest of four. Um, everyone basically owns houses, you know, who's older than us. So we've seen that if you do a little work, you're only prolonging more work you have to do later. Mm-hmm. So we saw that firsthand with our siblings. So we kind of, you know, bit the bullet and like, all right, well, if we're going to do this, we might as well do that so we don't have to worry about it later. Um, so that in a nutshell, I would say was the thought process for, you know, going from, all right, maybe we'll repaint, you know, rip down a wall or two to, you know, however many hundred thousands later. Um, Plus you start, do you start thinking to yourself in the process, you know, I could do half, I could do the back dormer and not the front dormer. And that saves me some money now, but later, you know, that's something we're probably going to want to do. And are we spending double at that point? Yeah. And are we going through this again at that point? Right. right? And are we going to be going through it with kids? Are we going to be going through it when, you know, our lives are busier? So 100%. Um, and I'm a firm believer in the, like, it's a little saying, you know, hard now, easy later mm-hmm. versus easy now, hard later. Right. It was very difficult to pull the trigger on that now. But one thing I will say, and, you know, going back to what you said, Paul, a lot of people are shying away from this. But one thing I will say, if you're even teetering on it or, you know, you're thinking maybe you might want to do a little work. I can promise you the end result will be so much more rewarding because and, it's yours. And it'll be what you what you envisioned, what you planned, what you wanted. Exactly. Correct? And what makes my wife happy. So <laughs> that's always important. Happy wife, happy life. Yes. <laughs> so how long did the entire renovation take you? Um, so I GC'd it myself, which, you know, that's up for debate, whether or not uh, someone wants to take Walk on that us project. Through that. Walk us through that. Walk us through GCing it yourself. How do you find the right... Uh, people to do the work how do you know that they're credible how do you arrange and time everything walk us through that entire process because a gc will add how much money to a project and i mean i got different quotes but anywhere from 10 percent with kind of just like overseeing from the background all the way up mm-hmm. to 20 25 you know they're going to be on site every day it's their guys all that wow. Wow. Um, so yeah, just tack that on to whatever the cost of the actual project is. Right. Having gone through it, do you think that 10 to 25% is worth it? Or do you think it would have been overpaying? I think it depends on the person. Um, for me, a hundred percent, I would have made the same decision again. Like if I okay. was faced with it again, I would do it again today. Now, did you make that decision because you wanted to be in control of the situation or is it a budget decision? Um, partially budget decision partially me being a little bit of control freak and mm-hmm. and then the other part if maybe parsh that's not a word mm-hmm. the, the other part of it um was me being very naive and not understanding how much work was going into gcing it right so right 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 well i mean first time you're crossing that bridge right exactly um okay so so you decide to gc it you got it you start doing all this work <clears throat> uh Timing these guys, getting them on the phone. Walk mm-hmm. us through, if, if you had to name three things that uh, most specifically were the negatives and three things that were the positives, right? So pros and cons of this whole thing. What what was it like herding sheep, I guess, is the, <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. the best way to put it, right? No, that's accurate. Um, I mean, people understand that the, the contracting business, it's pretty well known that it's a flighty 
business. Yes, the people yes. in it are not always the most reliable or most savvy businessmen when they understand customer services. Or, or they could be really good at what they do and in very high demand. In which, right? yeah, in which case they will charge a premium for that. They know how <laughs> valuable they are. Yes, yes. Um, so, I mean, it started with just working kind of my network, people mm -hmm. who have done work, you know, uh, friends and family who have done work, people they've used. And then it is just one very large vetting process. Right. I mean, get three estimates, get four estimates, get, you know, however mm -hmm. many you need. Even if you know somebody, someone did a good job for a neighbor or a friend, that was one job. That's not every job they've ever done. Like, you still need to like that person you're working with. You still need to have confidence in them. Right. Um, so one biggest piece of advice was put time and energy and effort into properly getting estimates and vetting. That goes a long way. Right. So how long, when you first started, how long did you think the entire process was going to take? Um, we were getting married. Uh, I think we got the permits in like March or April. We were getting married in July and it was, um, strongly our, it was, <laughs> it was our goal, um, very naively to get it done by July. So get it done, you know, whatever that is, less than six months. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And how long did it end up taking? Ended up taking a little less than a year. So it took almost double. And now, did you have a budget going into it in your mind? Yes. Um, we talked to people who kind of are in the business, and we were given kind of a roundabout number, and that also ended up doubling. Doubling. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so Jesus. Now, did that double because the project started off as something that was half the work, or did that double because of materials, you know, using better stuff? Like what – what caused that to double? Yeah, like, or is it just there? Because I have a theory, right? I have a theory that everybody's a salesman. It's my thing, right? <laughs> I think no matter what you do in life, first you got to sell the job, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what you are. If if you sell carpet, if you are, or if you sell tile, whatever it is you sell or do for a living, you've got to sell it. Now, um, one of the like a bait and switch thing here where they'll show you you know a project that might cost you know x amount of dollars and then they they know based on meeting with you and hearing your feedback and and the whole nine that that project's going to turn into what they know it's going to turn into because along the way they're going to make suggestions mm -hmm. leading you down this road that they know you're going to follow because you don't know any better and that's going to end up being what that's that's really where the double cost comes in Makes sense? Makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I think you're right to some extent. I think it's a partially cynical view that people... Well, are. I'm cynical. <laughs> I don't trust anybody. That's just me. Um, but no, I mean, it, it's it's accurate. I think there are definitely contractors out there um, where that happens. I mean, it's, it's hard to pinpoint where exactly that happened. I think to start, the person who told us what it was going to cost originally, they weren't actually doing the work, and we realized they were just throwing that number. Like, like you're just flinging that number yeah, at us. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That wasn't even close. But um, as young people, you take that very seriously. I mean, it's a, it's a lot you of money. take it to heart. The, the number yeah. they say, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So you're like, wow, like I, I, I guess it can cost that much, little yeah. you know. So I think that's where it started, why it costs more. And I mean, there's no. it's hard to explain. It just costs more. Like <laughs> house renovating, it just, it just, it's going to cost more. It's going to take longer. It just, it just does. Well, I think that's a fact of life. So let me ask, <laughs> having gone through it, um, would you do it again or would you keep looking for something that was finished and what you wanted? So, yeah, I mean, I, this, I'll, I'll defer back to kind of what I said before. Um, a thousand percent, we would do it again. I would try and be smarter about how I did it, but a hundred percent. So what would you change? What would you be smarter about? Um, getting the plan together before we started, like the full plan. So again, we kind of, I took a walk walked you through the progression before a little bit and that kind of when you don't know exactly what you're doing at first that kind of adds on to it it sounded like your father-in-law ran upstairs started knocking out some walls <laughs> and then and it was like all right here here we go all right projects projects well, underway <laughs> yeah and then what doesn't help either we had uh, our friends over one night we were like drinking in the house and uh my my one good friend who likes to headbutt things oh boy. yeah he got a little aggressive so 
we decided that wall was coming down. Yeah, if, if you want friends to help, provide them like pizza and cola. Don't be like, hey, come over some for some beers and we'll do demo. Probably not the best idea. Probably not. So, all right. So it took you double. Let me ask you something. How many houses did you go see before you actually bought that? Bought the house oh, you bought. Um, I couldn't even put a number on it. We were looking probably for a year and a half, two years. We were. I mean, we were picky. My wife, she's she's really good with this stuff, and we were. So, attention. so what, I mean, yeah, what, what were, as a buyer, mm-hmm. what were your three, like, hot buttons, right? Like, what were you looking for specifically during that year or whatever it was that you saw our 100 houses, let's say? Um, the three things was, I mean, obviously the neighborhood. Like right. we, we wanted to be in Massapequa. That was important to both of us, being close to our families, where we grew up, all that good stuff, good place to raise a family. Mm-hmm. Um, two was... We wanted a good sized property, big yard. Property is not something you can attain later. It's not something you can add on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, that's something that was important to us. And the third thing was, I guess two things in one, was good bones and big shell. So that would minimize costs down the road when we did want to do work. So I want to interject Paul into this and get his thoughts. So, But first... Did you so you looked for like a year, year and a half? You said, did you work with a dedicated real estate agent? Um, we did for like parts of it, and then we at the end we ended up buying from a neighbor. So it, we weren't going through a real estate agent, but so it was an off market that we just knew. But there was before. no one you were working with the whole time as a dedicated person. Correct. So Paul, I want to get your thoughts when you're work because you've worked with a lot of buyers now. When you're working with a buyer. How do you make sure that that they're dedicated to you? And what happened with John, where they're working with him for you know a little bit, but it's a year and a half process, which is not uncommon to buy a home, and then they end up going rogue and just doing something on their own. Like, what are you doing to to make sure that that buyer is dedicated to you? Well, I think what Ron said was what he just asked John is is the first thing that I ask, and it's very simple, but it, it tells you a lot about the person you're working with, and that's. What are the three or five? What are the, what are you looking for? Because you know, someone will call me and say, "Hey, you know, I'm looking for a house. We want to, you know, in this this area." Okay, well, what are you looking? What budget are you looking under? Have you have you looked into a pre-approval yet? Do you know that you can afford what you're looking for? Um, what are you looking for exactly? And a lot of them, it, they may not know. And then and that's and you know, you guide them through. That's that's what you're here for is to guide them through what they're looking for. And until they kind of give you talk maybe even talk out loud or think about it a lot of them don't really know you know they, they're looking at houses on zillow or you know lipropertysearch.com or whatever the case is and they're like oh well this house is nice or but i like this house and when you take them on showings you know you end up looking at two totally different types of houses and you know that's when you have to you know help them into what are you looking for and that's what they i usually ask what are the five things but you could ask three, four, five, whatever it is. You know, what are what are you looking for exactly? Mm-hmm. I think it's also important to identify a timeline, right? We as realtors, we don't get paid till the end. You don't get paid till the end, so it's very important for you to know. Hey, are you ready to pull the trigger if we find what you're looking for tomorrow? As a buyer's agent, right? You got to be very, very, very particular about who you're working with. They have to be ready to go. Because to be quite frank, if you worked with John, you, you're you're, not, you're never going to pay your mortgage, right? So, so uh, you can't spend a year with someone. You need you need someone to um, to kind of find their way and and almost be ready to rock and roll. And then it's up to you to prep them for the for the purchase. And I wanted to ask you, John. You you said you were what about a year and a half or so you were looking. Yeah. Now, you know I'm not going to jump to conclusions but were you a serious buyer for a year and a half because it's I'm, I, I don't really see that possible I, 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 you know maybe it is your he, case, was window, he was window shopping were you, for a year were you looking on Zillow yeah. casually looking at some houses and then you know let's say three to four months until you find something you like then you you know something switched and you're like okay no now we're looking for a house good question um yeah I mean I guess I hear what you guys are saying and it makes total sense I guess I'm more the exception uh, than the rule, um, we were actively looking. We were just like again very picky, and we felt. I mean, you guys could probably, you know, Mike and Ron, you guys could probably speak better to this um, because we felt at the time this was, you know, 
probably 2015, 2016, that the market, at least in Massapequa anyway, was peaking way, way very. It high. was crazy. I mean, houses that were, yeah. you know, not even in that good of shape on a small property, high taxes were like we just felt like people were they were getting. We would look at it, go to the open house, and the next day there'd be like an at ask offer or above or ask. Better. So, so we actually said this on the last podcast. We were like, because we were looking back at two thousand eighteen, and I said I was like, it's like stupid, you know, like what was a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar fixer upper little cape house in Massapequa, right? That mm-hmm. that you would put a lot of money into and make it nice was selling for like four fifty, four seventy five. Crazy, and it's almost like the three hundred fifty thousand became the new. 500 yeah it just got stupid yeah it will and that for us which is you know good for you 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 have put together that off-market deal before it ever hit the market who knows well, right we we were fortunate um in that sense that we but again that's we like to think that kind of paid off because we were picky and patient but i mean again we had a timeline kind of back to what you're saying where we we weren't that typical couple who was just like all right dying to get out and ready to go we were you know, want to be patient. We, you know, we didn't have high living expenses. We weren't like worried about that much. We, we really wanted our house. So I, I know about, I know about your process because I'm your brother, obviously. So I also <laughs> know in addition to you being picky that there were a lot of people involved um, <laughs> in the decision making pro- yes. process. Yes. So, so Paul, I want to ask you and I want to get your perspective on both ends of it. One is when you're dealing with buyers that are young and have parents, two sets of parents, aunts, uncles, Uncle Freddie, you know, everyone giving their two cents on what's important. How do you deal with that as a professional? But also, what's your advice to young buyers when they have that situation going on? Because I'm sure you've seen it affect their decision-making process and affect what they end up buying. So what's your advice to those people? Do you feel like usually it helps them out or it doesn't help them out, they end up getting what they want, or something, or they end up getting that uh, something that someone else wanted. You know, what's your two cents? Yeah, and and I see it all the time. Or you know, they'll look at a house and all right, I want to bring my parents back to look at it, mm-hmm. and or maybe the parents are putting the down payment down, and and they have to sign off on the house or co-sign, whatever the case is. And I think it goes back to the beginning part of it is just knowing who you're working with. You know, I mean, sit down at their house or. Get a cup of coffee or something. Sit down for thirty minutes and talk and and find out who they are. I mean, do you know? Are they co-sign? Are they doing it on their own? Are their parents helping them? Are their in-laws helping them? Is their grandma or grandpa helping? You know, like what? Who who's involved in this? So that because I'm working with you. You know, I'm. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm not trying to sell you. I'm. I'm trying to help you find a home that you're going to buy and love. So if whoever's involved in that and whoever's looking into it. You know, I need to. I need to be aware. To, it's funny because you, you, you <laughs> I can see Paul. Paul's so funny, but becoming like an extension of everybody's family. <laughs> you know, like, yes, <laughs> like that cynical. I, I, like, like, what are you talking about? Like talking to the dad, <laughs> yeah. right? The dad's like Just casually oh, sitting in the yeah. middle of the couch, I, like in between the family members. Like, I'll give you an example. I ha- I had a buyer looking at something, and she she loved the house. She brought her 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 mom back to look at it. Who was and who was going to help her with the down payment. And her mom didn't like the area for the kid and she wouldn't help her with it. And it goes back to, you know, you know, you can't get, you know, get into family issues, but it goes back to the beginning of, you know, even just talking with your buyer, like, Hey, listen, what is your mom? What is your mom looking for? Where does she want you to be? What, you know, what, because instead of bringing you guys, you know, take wasting your time, having to come, you know, drive 15, 20, whatever the time is to come and look at the house and then come back again with your parents to look at it. Why don't you just give me as much information as possible so that whatever I do show you, I know you're going to like, you know? And the, and you're going to get past that final checkpoint, which is the mother who's probably signing, you know, co-signing a loan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, or whose or who's son or daughter wants wants their, their approval of their parents or wants the okay from their parents because they trust them and they trust their opinion. You know, I think you bring up a really good point is you have to you have to be fully aware of the situation. You have to make sure you ask lots of questions and you know exactly what's going on. You know who's involved because ultimately you're right. You don't want to sell them a house. You want to make sure they buy something. You want to help them buy something that they're going to be happy with and that they're going to love. And they know they made the right decision because the last thing you want is a client of yours buying something and not being happy or a family member not being happy. So I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, this is. This is the biggest purchase. I mean, you're only doing this once or twice, maybe in a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you have to listen. I mean, some will, somebody will may go out and, I mean, that I'm like that. I mean, I 
I'll look at a couple of houses, but I know what I want. If I found something, I'm buying it that day. Yeah, I, I think it's personality driven too, right? There's people who who know exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. Like like me. Okay. I go to the mall. I don't spend more than fifteen minutes in the mall. I go in the <laughs> store, I know exactly what I'm there for. I execute my purchase immediately. <laughs> I get the I get out of the mall as fast as possible. Okay. Then there are people like I don't, I don't know anyone in particular off the top of my head. Oh, my wife. My wife will go to the mall. I was going to give you my wife as an example <laughs> if you my, didn't come up with one. My <laughs> wife will go to the mall and walk around the mall for two hours and not buy anything. Because she'll walk out and say, eh, it's all too expensive. Right? She's a clearance rack <laughs> shopper. And then there's my mother. My mother will walk into home. My mother, my mother pays the home goods lease every month with all the tchotchkes that she buys at home goods. <laughs> So I think you have to maybe identify the buyer too. Like, for instance, if they're renting or if they currently own, right, and it's a sell-to-buy situation, talk to them about their buying experience or how they found the rental and how quickly they moved into that rental. If someone's going to shop for a rental for four months, they're likely going to spend a year trying to find a house, right? If, if you want to predict the future, look at the past. There you go. That's it. Podcast is over. <laughs> let me, Paul, let me ask you the million dollar question. John, you got licensed 18, 24 months earlier. You're an agent. You meet John as a buyer. Does he buy the renovation or do you end up, do you end up finding him the newly constructed house, the newly renovated house that he loves and he can move into right away? Well, I want to make sure I have this right. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to help him find whatever he wants. I mean, if he, if, and that, again, it goes back to just knowing him. Now, he, he said he, he knew he wanted to renovate. So uh, when I talk to him, I, I'm going to know that he wants to renovate something. So, uh, you know, it may not be something that's, you know, a teardown, but it's something that's moving, you know, moving condition, but he wants to be able to update it. That's at some sort of discount. And it, again, it just goes back to, to knowing him. You know, hey, John, listen, you know, what are you looking for? If, if we found a house that's, you know, I'm going to show you five houses and if these one of these houses has a you know the lot you want it's in the right area has the good school district has enough bedrooms and bathrooms whatever it is is this something that you you're looking to move in now or are you kind of just you know gathering some info for when you are going to buy something mm-hmm. and and John John was picky which is fine but again I mean you have to know what you're looking for he knew what he was looking for and he was just waiting for it to come on and and that's it seems like, like he said, he wasn't really, you know, he wasn't motivated enough to just go out and buy it. He, you know, he had very minimal expenses. If something came along that he liked, then he'll buy it. But if not, then he's not going to buy were it. Were there houses that you were interested in and they flew off the market because of the market conditions the past year? Uh, yeah, there were a couple. Um, did you put in offers and end up not getting it because someone else outbid you? Or you just said it's it, it sold too fast, I, I'm not even going to make a move? Um, anyone that sold, well, one, we put in offers on, um, and we felt we had a price, right. Um, but again, because of the market, they didn't want to take the offer. And I also think, um, because, you know, we were, I guess, relatively younger than the most home buyers they were looking at. Um, they weren't taking us too seriously, even though we had the pre-approval. Um, but yeah, I would say for the most part, um, we were just trying to, we were outbid, on the few houses we bid on because we were we felt we were priced right, but other people right, didn't. Right. The market dictated otherwise. And you get that with sellers too. I mean, it, hey, I'll, I want to sell my house, but only if I get this number. If I don't get this number, I don't want to sell it. Mm-hmm. They don't really want to sell your house because, I mean, you you will sell it. But you don't have you have no m- real motivation to, to, to sell it. You know, I mean, if someone walked up to your door and gave you this money, then you'll move. If not, then you won't move. But that's what. 99% of homeowners, if you gave them more than <laughs> enough money, they'll probably leave. Which, again, tying it back to being a realtor, you have to identify the motive, right? I mean, if someone says, I'm an empty nester, I got to get out of here, got to move on with my life, you list that property. If someone says, I'm just going to list it and wait, and if I get what I want, I get what I want. If I don't, I don't have to go anywhere. I'm not going to go anywhere. And, by the way, the last time I was listed, I w- was made – Three offers at you know a hundred thousand below ask, and I didn't accept any of them. Well, you, a red flag should be going off in your head, right? At that point, because you yeah. you don't want to waste your time either. 
Yeah. To Paul's point, it's it, when someone does when a seller does that, it's you don't want to sell your house. You just want to make X amount of dollars, right? right? And you think you could do that by selling your house at this price, but you don't really want to sell your house. And I think we saw a lot of that because, like John said, the market was at such a peak. I mean, people were just asking for ridiculous numbers, and they're like, "Hey, if I can get two hundred thousand dollars more than I paid for my house three years ago, I'll sell it. And if I don't," Whatever. I'm How many of it. those people thought about, well, if I sell it, where am I going? That's that. That's another thing. I mean, <laughs> if, I, if I buy it, you know, am I going to spend X amount of dollars on, um, you know, a new house? But it goes back to just knowing your real estate agent, you know, trusting who you're working with and having them give you the right info. I mean, because for our situation, it was the perfect storm. I mean, buyers had low interest rates and the house sellers were getting, you know, premium dollars. But, you know, now it's starting to change. But it's just knowing that. I mean, it's, it's knowing that if I can get, you know, the most amount of money out of this, you know, this house and downsize and cash out now, rather than never having to cash out or waiting 10 years from now, then just do it. Might as well do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I got to ask. You're in this business <laughs> four months, five months. You sold a $1.6 million house in Garden City. You got that listing. You have to walk me through uh, how... And why you've been so successful at the, up to this point, being a young guy in a game and selling in a market, by the way, where there's a lot of old school realtors with long histories of selling houses. And here comes Paul Licari. I Well, I know. <laughs> I know. I met the, the people who own that house. They have nice bought and flipped and sold homes in Garden City for a long time. They're established there. How do you uh, – yeah, to Ron's point – how did you get them to trust you with a $1.6 million asset to sell it for? A $1.6 million asset. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it goes back to people, especially in, in that area and that prestige. I mean, it, you're not, you, you can sell yourself to, you know, to an extent, but you have to know what you're talking about at some point. You can't mm-hmm. just fly your way through it because especially someone who's been doing this like them for a while. I mean, they're going to ask you questions that they know the answer to already. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're just, testing they're you. Testing they're baiting you. you. They're throwing, yes. They're, yes. Right. And, and you but know. But again, you're doing this five months, six months. And they're, how did you have these answers? Like, like, walk me through the process. Walk me through all of your success. You're on the job for a short period of time. You knew this is what you wanted to do. You came to me and Mike. We put you on. How are you finding so much success so short? mentoring is is the biggest one but and learning that asking questions and that yeah. that's that's the biggest thing yeah um i'll answer the question for you so it's 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 neither the things you say well it's, it's learning so it's two things one is you're you've become an expert you study the market mm-hmm. you study you know exactly what's on the market exactly what's being sold you, you're you're an expert in the market you're an expert in the neighborhoods the other thing is it's coming across in this podcast. You are client-focused, client-centric. When I mm-hmm. asked you about John, if he, if you would have sold him a new home, if you were his agent, you're like, well, I'm going to do what he wants. And if I know he wants to buy something to renovate, I'm going to help him accomplish that goal. I think it's those two things. It's it's you being knowledgeable and being a student of of real estate and Long Island neighborhoods, Long, uh, sorry, Long Island neighborhoods, and it's you focusing – not having an agenda of your own, but focusing on on making your client happy. That's exactly why you've been successful. I think it's important to note too that you tell Paul something once, he remembers it. Yes, well, smart and, smart doesn't hurt. And <laughs> he's not afraid of a long work week. I mean, he's in here, crack of dawn, making calls to the right people, trying to put together some kind of meeting or appointment to get in their house and list their property or identify a buyer opportunity, which is tremendous. I mean, you're you Paul, you're a young guy. Your age demographic. Think about your group group of friends. What kind of hours are they putting in? Do they even have a vision of what they want to be? No, not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, and, so that's a very millennial, a young, young, young millennial kind of thing, right? A lot of people uh, I think are afraid to work to a certain degree. And when you can be the guy who's willing to come in, listen, you're fearless to the point where you'll stumble over and make a mistake, but you'll learn from it and never make it again. That's that's a formula for success. Yeah, and I mean it. 
go back to that Garden City house. I mean, it's when we sat down with the homeowners. I mean, they they obviously know the area very well. They've been there for thirty years. Their parents lived there generations. They know everybody there. So everyone knows them as the Garden City Flippers. I mean, that's that's how the everyone, Garden, the Garden City, City Flippers because they flipped so many homes there that every that's how everybody knows them as. Um, and when we went in there and, and they asked us about price, she knew what the house was worth. I mean, she said to us, you know, what do you think the house is worth? And we said we think it's worth about you know, you know, X amount of dollars, right? And she said, yeah, I I think that's what it's worth. And w- when we tell her about how we do, I mean, you you have to be confident in yourself. I mean. I'm I, I we're at the point now. I mean, and I learned this just from going, you know, going with you guys for you know for this amount of time. I know that if I can just get into an appointment, there's if so, there's no way they're gonna pick somebody over us because no. we do it better. We I know that I do it better than the other person that's there. Yeah. So when you know that, they'll it'll come across as that, and yep. they'll know that. So I mean, it's you got. I equate a listing appointment to a job interview. Right? It is. And essentially, you don't know who you're walking in and talking to. Remember the other day we met that guy from Brooklyn? Knew everything. Knew everything about the market. Everything. Right. <laughs> and then there's people like the Garden City people who they're not going to tell you they know everything, but they know everything, and they're quizzing you. Yep. And if you get the answers right, if you pass the test, you're, you're, you're eligible to list that property. Right? So talk to me about preparing for a listing appointment. Right? How do you go into that job interview and walk out successful? I think it starts before you even go in there is, is setting the right expectations. I mean, if 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 a house was listed for a million dollars and you know and, and they want to sell it and you speak to them and and you're doing your you know analysis and you know market analysis, CMA and looking at other houses that sold and you're looking and you're saying with the market now there is no way this house is selling for more than. Six hundred thousand dollars. Well, to, if you know you know they want a million, so it, you know if you're clearly way off on a number. So, but what I do is beforehand I call them and say, hey, listen, you know, I just wanted to you know follow up with you because I'm doing some research here and I saw you were listed for X amount of dollars and you know I gotta tell you, I mean, what are you looking for for the house? Because maybe they just put it up to put it up or. You know, and it goes back to what is their motivation? Do they really want to leave, or are they? Eh, if I get my number, I'll leave. Yeah, and you're trying to protect your time. That's actually that method that you probably had no idea. That comes from Mike Ferry, who is the godfather of real estate coaching, and he sends out. He used to send out back in the '80s, '90s, what they would call um, it's. It was a pre-listing packet, and it had. A CMA in it when a CMA was like a big deal, right? Now it's just <laughs> everybody knows the price of their house. Comparative market do. analysis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what he was doing was he was sending the packet out. People would turn around, call him up, and say, "Hey, you know, this is this is why your your analysis is wrong." And he was identifying problems before he even got to the listing appointment. Hmm. So he was tackling objections before he got in. So Paul's doing that, doesn't even know he's doing it. But he's doing it because he's so prepared and he knows how to take stop, take time, think about it. He doesn't just wing it. He goes in knowing all the details and every which way this could go. This way you're you're confident and comfortable, correct? Yeah. And I mean it, it's just and I mean I've lost the listening appointments, I guess you can say. I mean I, I don't For see being it as too lost. Honest. Yeah, because it, you, you can get it but it won't sell or you could go in there and not get it. I mean, it's just either way. I mean, it but I, I it happens all the time, but it's just you have to know where you're getting yourself into because if they're if you're on two totally opposite sides before you even list the house, forget it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're, that's you're gonna go from the beginning. It's going to go sad. <laughs> that they'll be asking for a withdrawal in 30 days. Oh yeah. That goes that goes back to you caring about your clients and what they want. You don't you don't have an agenda. You don't say they don't say I want to sell it for a million. You know it's 600,000. You don't go, "Okay, I could sell it for a million." Just so you can move on and list the property, right? Yeah, you, it makes no sense. You're honest because you ultimately know that if the goal is to sell the property for your client, you need to be truthful and you need to make sure they understand what it can actually sell at before you go ahead and start wasting everyone's time. Yeah, and I mean, again, I, I don't do that for every appointment because you know it depends on you know the price difference. But and I just say, hey, listen, you know, you're priced at a million, and you know what I'm looking at right now, you know, without seeing the house, you know, I'm looking at. 
I don't see, you know, you getting more than, you know, between six and seven fifty. Now, you know, that, that range anywhere between there, I wouldn't know unless I saw it, but mm-hmm. you know, we're a quarter of a million dollars off already. So, you know, are you, you know, what's your motivation to sell? Are you really looking to move or are you, you know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And, and you I got- think, and I think part of your job is helping, is helping people understand, right? Cause a lot of people might say, Oh, I'm, you know, I want to buy a home. I want to sell a home. And then you help them confirm that decision. Cause some people like for John, it was a year and a half process for him it was a year and a half process, but you know, he actually wanted to, but for some people it's a year and a half process because they're not actually ready yet. And when you can get them to realize that, that they're not actually ready to pull the trigger on selling or buying, you're helping them. You're helping them because you're educating them about the process. You're you're preparing them for what it's actually going to entail. You're preparing them for the reality of what they can actually buy or what they can actually sell their house for. So that ultimately, when they do it, they know that they know that they were aware of the reality that they built up to this moment, that they're ready for it, and it was a good decision. Yeah, and people, listen. Some people won't. You know, I know that I'm doing a good job. You know, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that go out and they'll just list it with somebody because who will take it? Because if you walk into an you know any office and just say, hey, you know, um, I have a listing I, I need help with. I mean, everyone's gonna want to help you. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's how many is thousands and that I think six, seven, eight thousand realtors on Long Island, maybe wow. more. You got a lot of people there who'll, who they'll take anything. They'll take they'll take a house that's worth five hundred thousand dollars and, and list it for a million dollars just to have a listing. Yeah, because no one knows how to go out there and get listings. Um, so coming back to building houses or buying brand new, Mike recently purchased a brand new house, mm-hmm. new construction. Uh, pros and cons because you've also previously bought and renovated a sandy home so no one knows better than you uh in comparing the two i'm curious to know uh the pros to buying a brand new house the cons to buying a brand new house the different things you have to deal with regarding the builder so on and so forth yeah i I ultimately i think it's it's a it's a very personal decision decision it comes down to preference and you need to to my point before paul working with people and and helping them figure out exactly what they want you need to know what type of person you are. For me, I, I've renov- I've bought a house after Sandy and I've renovated it. And I've also bought a brand new construction. I personally, I never want to touch a renovation again. I want to buy something <laughs> that when I move into, it's done. And and for me, the pro the pro is simple. The pro is I'm busy. Um, I work a lot, and when I'm not working, I want to be able to spend time with my family and just relax. I don't want to go home to another job and have a project to do, and that's and that's a personal personal decision for me. And I'm happy to, I'm happy to pay, you know, what I can afford, but I'm happy to pay uh, for for something that's finished over, you know, it's it's not a financial decision for me. I, I'm happy to pay for something that's finished, even if I might be able to get a little bit of a better deal by buying something and taking the time to fix it up myself. So so for me, so I would say it's personal and for me, that's the pro is that is that it's just my time turnkey. and I want to be done. Yeah. It's turnkey. Turnkey, no hassle, no headache, boom, you're in. Correct. The only negative I would say is that when you buy a brand new construction, you expect it to be perfect. At least I do. And listen, it's a house. It's a house. There's going to be <laughs> It's meant to be lived yeah, in. Yeah, mo- you know, there's going to be some moldings that or, you know, some some areas of grout that are cracked a little and the wood, fl- you know, the, the house settles and the wood floor and the moldings and things might separate a little and, and stuff happens, right? It's so it's it's when you buy a new construction, you expect perfection and you're not going to get perfection and ultimately you still it's 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 an asset that that appreciates if you don't take care of it. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to spend, let me spend all this extra money to buy a brand new house, but then that's it. I'll spend some extra money, but that's it. I'm done. I don't need any, you know, I don't need any savings or I don't, you know, there's nothing else I'm going to have to put into it because that's, that's not the truth. The truth is it's a house. Stuff's going to happen and you're going to need to take care of it. And so there's always upkeep. Exactly. So you still want to make sure you maintain a little bit of money and know that, that you're actually still going to have to take care of it. The expectation can't be, oh, brand new, done. That's it. You know, I'm just yeah. going to go 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 to sleep and that's it. Right, right, right. Well, then there's also kids, right? And they don't help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have two little kids. They listen. The kids <laughs> kid, the little kids destroy a house. So, you better just, you know, you just got to be you got to come to terms yeah, with I that. Yeah, th- look, it's meant to you it's meant to be lived in. Memories are going to be made there and uh 
it's preference. It's what fits your lifestyle best. It's what it's what fits where you are in your life now. You are at a stage where you're running around. You're trying to to list as much property as possible. You're trying to connect buyers and sellers. You're in the middle of your your money making earning years. You do not want to be in the middle of a construction project while you're in the middle of of those years. Um, so, yeah. I mean, listen, guys. So. Um I, I think I think we've we've kind of said it all today, um, and thanks for joining us, uh, Paul. You could see why he had an awesome 2018, and he's going to light it up in 2019. I'm excited. What do you think? I think Paul does. I'm going to make a prediction. Be, be well, Paul, gonna, what do, what do you want? What's your goal for 2019? Let's talk about goals. Let's talk about goals for 2019. <laughs> Volume and what? Volume. I mean, I'd love to do 30 million. Okay. Sell thirty million dollars worth lo- of houses. Thirty million dollars worth of houses. I'm gonna hold you to that. It's <laughs> December. It's December. Yeah, you just what went on record, Paul. You got to be careful. Today's December what? Eighteenth. <laughs> December eighteenth. Yep. Okay, it's December eighteenth. Paul just made a commitment. Well, I think <laughs> I Paul think, just made a commitment. I like setting it all the way up here. So if you fall a little short, you're still you'll hit it, Paul. Bullshit. Yeah. I you'll think you'll it. do forty. I think you'll do forty. You'll exceed at it. the moment of commitment. The universe conspires to assist you. Yeah. Uh huh. Full commitment like though. It's got to be a yeah. full commitment. John is deep. Be in it to win it. You John is deep. What's the other one you had today? Yeah. Hard, hard, hard now, bo- easy later. Hard now, easy later. Hard now, easy later. Live, later. live by that. We have Confucius with us today. <laughs> so the path to getting there, real quick, and I know we were about to wrap it up, but. The path to thirty million. Setting yourself up before the what new year. What do you have to do to get to thirty million? Setting yourself up before the new year. How? Talk, talking to as many people as you can. Because listen, I mean, we get it. I mean, the holidays are here. Christmas is next week. New Year's is in two weeks. You know, most people don't want to list their house two days before Christmas. I mean, we totally get that. But identify, speak to as many people as you know that. Listen, we're either going to buy or we're going to sell come end of January, February, March, whatever that is. So, in other words, we're identifying, identifying potential clients. So, from when that new year starts, you already have five people that you either are going to be listing or helping to buy or whatever that case is that you already have business before you the new year even started, before you even did anything. Right. And it's just carrying that over every single day. I so, mean. identify, then you have to classify these people, right? So... We're identifying people who are likely to buy or sell. We're classifying them as to whether or not they're buyers, sellers, and how fast or soon they want to move. Mm-hmm. And then we're executing. Right? That's right. I like it. I like it. Paul, I am looking forward to you and a big 4-0 over your head this time next year. Um, all right. Let's get this wrapped up. We are the Pesh and Lanzalotta team at Douglas Elliman. Our office line uh, is 516-888-9711. Our email is info at pl-team.com. Our website is www.thepeshlanzalottateam.com. Mike, you got anything to add? Hope you enjoyed the podcast. See you guys next time.